It's Schedule Madness on the show today. We'll go deep on High Limit and the Outlaws, comparisons between the two plus 2024 slates for the Northeast and ASCS. And we'll talk Sprint Car Hall of Fame voting as well. Let's go. It's Sunday, December 3rd. I'm Justin Fiedler. This is Dirt Tracker Daily. So a lot of schedules dropped over the last few days since we did the Thursday show. We've got both sprint car lineups plus Lucas and the Northeast Modified Series and the ASCS. We'll start first with the National Sprint Cars because it seems like it's where most of the comments are coming from. On a pulled out look, I think both schedules are pretty good. The Outlaws maintain a lot of their traditions with the crown jewels and their usual stops with a few adjustments in between. And High Limit's first crack is going to make a lot of people happy, and it's very clearly their own schedule. And I think that's the biggest takeaway from the High Limit side and something I've been trying to communicate over the last several weeks. Regardless of what some fans wanted or hoped for, this was never going to be the All-Stars plus a West Coast swing. Brad Sweet, Kyle Larson, Mike Kaz, Kendra Jacobs, they are trying to build their own thing. And the schedule very much reflects that. There are some cues taken from the All-Star setup and a few similar dates and tracks. But as a whole, it's much different. I know there are complaints about the lack of, uh, you know, a real focus on Ohio, but again, not the All-Stars. The gaps in the 60 race schedule for High Limit will allow teams to race the big weekend at Hussets, the Summer Nationals at Williams Grove, uh, the Ironman 55, Knoxville Nationals, and the National Open at the Grove. As promised, multiple off weeks through the year and the midweek series is back. 11 races on that midweek schedule, all at least $20,000 to win and a focus on a much smaller geographic area there. For example, there's no midweek shows in California. That West Coast swing did become a very significant part of the high limit schedule with 11 of 60 races in the three Western states. That will be a very busy two weeks for the teams and there is some significant money on the line with a 100,000 win at both Skagit and Silver Dollar. The third 100K to win show in 2024 will be at Eldora for what they are now calling the Joker's jackpot. Overall, I saw Jeremy Elliott say that there is $4.7 million in purse money available. If you want the outlaw comparison there, did a brief trip through the Dirt Tracker database. I have the outlaws at $5.6 million for 2023 in just feature payouts, with maybe a few shows in there not represented. Uh, and obviously that only includes features, not any other money into the B's and C's. So probably a little bit closer to $6 million for the Outlaws last year. My big criticism about the High Limit schedule is that six-week break after the initial trip south, any momentum you're able to get going early in the year will be lost by the time they're racing again in April. We saw that this season with all of the late model rainouts. You almost forget about their racing entirely. And I get they're trying to avoid crappy spring weather, but no other racing series or major sport takes that type of a break during the season. I didn't love it with the All-Stars, even though they weren't points-paying races, and I don't really like it here either. On the outlaw side, uh, about what we expected uh, across the board. Some new stops along the way and the return of some tracks that have been missing for several years. Port Royal in October gets replaced by Sealands Grove. All California tracks on the West Coast swing. You got Stockton, Hanford, Bakersfield, Merced, and Tulare. And as expected, that Tulare race is $83,000 to win. We had heard that one was going to be a high-paying show. The Outlaws did make some significant additions in Ohio, including the Wayne County show that was promoted by Shelton Hoddenshield. Uh, stops at Attica, Fremont, Atomic, and Sharon. Obviously, that's on top of Eldora. There's a fairly heavy focus on multi-day weekend events, and it should help teams with travel and expenses there. Both the Outlaws and High Limit are avoiding the 4th of July weekend, so those will be off weeks for both series. 
when we talk about these together, uh, you know, you kind of combine them, you kind of see what this whole picture looked like. There were lines drawn in a lot of places. We talked about Port Royal. A 34 Raceway also left off the Outlaw calendar completely. It was on the schedule last year, even though it was rained out. There are several tracks, though, that will host both, including Eldora, Tulare, Hanford, Riverside, and Atomic. So clearly that's not a policy across the board. High Limit was shut out of some states and areas, though, including Wisconsin and a few areas in the Midwest. I'll be curious to see how the West Coast trips go as well for both series. After really only having a few big-time 410 races in 2023, now there will be a significant increase out there. You know, you've obviously got, you know, effectively a full month now of uh, national touring racing out there. And I hope the fan base and the local and regional teams can support all of that. The other thing that's going to continue being a problem with two national schedules is some tracks are going to get dates each year that probably should. I'm not going to be crappy and call them out specifically. I don't think that's valuable, but there are a handful of places that got dates on these schedules that absolutely should not have gotten them. And I'm sure you probably won't have a difficult time figuring out which tracks those are. Both sides continue to tell us they're focusing on safety and fan experience, but then we get some question, uh, questionable racetracks on both of those fronts. Some great, you know, some not great facilities and some places that have some very glaring safety issues. I certainly don't love that. As for uh, who was left out of this, Bridgeport, Lawrenceburg are the two big ones to me. Lawrenceburg, just too in flux right now, I, you know, I, I would imagine uh, with that tr uh, transition to the new promotion group to really make a chance that you're, you know, to really make a shot at either schedule. Bridgeport, surprising to me, though, having hosted High Limit and the All-Stars in 2023 and the Outlaws in 2020, uh, 2022. They'll still do their own uh, unsanctioned stuff, but that was an interesting shutout, I think. I know you guys have a lot of comments of your own, so feel free to voice them here uh, in the comments section below on the video. Uh, once the High Limit schedule was out, we then got the Lucas late model dates not long after, and I'm sure that wasn't an accident or coincidence. 63 races, 21 that will pay 20,000 to win or more, and 12 that pay 50,000 to win or more. We get the similar setup down south to start the season. All the regular crown jewels in the season will end again at Eldora for the Dirt Track World Championship. Supposedly towards the end, uh, it wasn't a lock that the Dirt Track World Championship was going to be at Eldora, but it ends up there anyway. The teams will also return to East Bay in October for what still seems to be the final ever races at that Florida track. No mention in the release either about how the championship will go in 2024, which I assume means we'll have to wait until PRI to get that announcement. As is usual with the schedules, some new shows, some tracks left out, but there isn't a ton of change for Lucas here. I'm a little surprised we only have the two high-limit crossover shows. They include the, there's actually a second trip to Golden Isles in February, and then that dual atomic show in October. I definitely thought there would be a few more there and a few more opportunities to work together. Both National Late Model Series have solid slates again, though, and now we'll just have to wait on driver and team announcements and how Lucas will structure their championship. I've not heard any rumors or chatter about possible changes to the chase format, so we'll just kind of see what they end up coming up with. In the Northeast, both the Short Track Super Series and Super Dirt Car Series have released their schedules. 13, 10,000 to win or more races for the SDS and 11 for the STSS. Orange County has been dropped from both schedules. Makes sense uh, with that facility's future in doubt. And Brett Deo decided to quit competing with Super Dirt Week, moving the Short Track Super Nationals into September. An interesting development too, no mention of the higher paying elite series for the short track super series. There will though be the addition of a new championship featuring both regions in one. So you'll have the, uh, the modified North, the modified South, and then an overall champion as well for those guys that run both regions. And back to sprint car racing, the 360 American uh, sprint car series will have 49 races from late January to early November in 2024. Mostly three, four, and 5,000 win races with big cash available at Knoxville for the uh, 360 Nationals and Wheatland later in the year. Very much the tracks and area you expect from the ASCS and two interesting tie-ins here with high limit. 
Dirt Track at Texas Motor Speedway has two high-limit shows next year, including the season finale, and the ASCS looks to be uh, kind of the tune-up for those, uh, racing at Texas the week before both of those high-limit events. I think a big question for Texas will be how that track surface gets into shape, uh, and some added races there should hopefully help things out. You can see the full ASCS schedule over at ASCSRacing.com. Uh, tomorrow on The Daily, we'll get into some of the other news items from the last few days, including some driver and announcer changes. I want to mention this here so you guys don't think I'm glossing over stuff. That's going to be a busy week again, so uh, keep it locked in right here for that. And before we close out today, I've got one more thing for you. I've somehow been invited to vote for the 410 Sprint Car Awards through the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame. Big thanks to Bob Baker at the Hall of Fame for the call to, uh, to do so and for including me. I submitted my nominations last week, and I thought it would be fun to share who I included. I was a bit late in getting my submission in, so I had to think kind of quickly. So if you notice any glaring omission, that might be why. Uh, the first is the Wild Card Award, which is the driver that impressed me the most with their exciting performance in 2023. I put Corey Day here, NAS, uh, uh, NARC Championship, an outlaw win, and maybe the top young sprint car talent in the country right now. Uh, for Builder and Manufacturer of the Year, I put Dave Sharpley, Sharp Advantage. I feel like safety is such an important thing, and a lot of drivers thanked Dave this year for keeping them safe during some pretty nasty crashes that we saw. Uh, for media member of the year, I put Jeremy Elliott. It's insane to me that he's never won this award, and the guy dedicates effectively his entire existence to covering 410 sprint car racing uh, and watching the NFL. Uh, moving on, uh, my team of the year, Rico Abreu Racing, uh, led by Ricky Warner with Zach Middlebrooks and Brady Forbrook. Those guys brought a fast race car to every show they were at this year. It was a career season for Rico, and those guys were a huge reason why. Uh, my promoter of the year nomination, Todd Quiring. I know he's won before, but his group just keeps on making improvements to their racetracks and adding huge money to the sport, and that will continue in 2024 as well. Rookie of the year for 410 Racing, that was an easy one, Chase Randall. I don't know that anyone else was close there. And the final award, I think, was the toughest one for me. Outstanding contribution to 410 Sprint Car Racing. I put Kevin Rudin. Uh, the guy has fielded sprint car teams for so many years, continues to up the ante with his Race Rudin Foundation race. He made massive investment in Skagit Speedway and their big uh, sprint car shows this year. And he does a lot more, I think, that some even will ever even know about stuff that happens a lot behind the scenes. Uh, going forward, ballots for these awards should be out soon. I'll bring you guys along for the ride there. We could talk about each category again, so stay tuned for that. Uh, that's it for The Daily Show today. Hope you guys have a great rest of your Sunday out there. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. <laughs>